You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Josh Swallow's Broadway. Hi, Alan. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Josh. Hello. How's Hi, everyone Alan. doing? <laughs> it's a lovely spring day and the skylight's blinding me. I'm great. In, in North Carolina, it is a crappy day. So, is it? Yeah. Really glad that you guys have something nice going on. Yeah, well, you know, everything is just great here in New York. Um, <laughs> you know, everything is just open and wonderful, and nobody's feeling any trauma. No, um, no predators no. in the news. No, no. predators in the no. news. How about that? Scott Rudin has just left the Broadway League. Yeah, that came out a couple hours ago. Yeah, uh, That's insane. That's a twist I did not see coming. Me neither. I knew that he stepped back from stuff, but that still that didn't mean anything. Uh, that didn't I mean really anything, but yeah. uh yeah. Well, I mean, I hope that our industry can become a a better place for for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um it's odd, you know, thinking about at least like you know, and I didn't grow up in the heyday of cruelty, or maybe I did, but, you know, I've certainly worked with some horrendous people, but it mm-hmm. was always par for the course. And, you know, yeah. just like, well, you're welcome to Broadway. Like, nobody said it was easy. Yeah. Um. So now I hope that, that people have a, I don't know, a better life in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um. I think there's always going to be hardships and there's always going to be things like people are going to get upset. And what I hope is coming out of all of this is that two things. One is that more people who act like this that aren't being talked about know they can't. But then the other side of it is that the people who are treated like all of these assistants were treated, all the people he works with, they need to know they that they must speak up so that this behavior doesn't continue. Yeah. Well, my dear friend, one of my best friends is a casting director and in her journey um, of casting, she started out casting Broadway shows. And this certain casting company that she worked for, the guy would call her like the C word multiple times every day, hmm. do terrible things. Go. Finally, she quit and then started casting film and TV. Um, a director through, you know, uh, when you can make a, a big ball out of rubber bands, like a yeah. giant, yes. you know, a hard giant rubber yeah. band ball threw it at her uh in a casting session she walked into the office like into the waiting area where all the actors were waiting and he needed her for something and so he threw it across the room and hit her with it like now you know and honestly back then i don't know what i would have done if i was in that room but Mm -hmm. nowadays i hope everybody knows that like, if I saw anything like that, I would raise hell. Yeah, you, you just As can't do that. You can't do that. It's insane. And um, I also want to take this opportunity to tell people I've never hit Alan or Elizabeth. <laughs> nope, you can't. Say it again. Never I've never hit Alan or Elizabeth. That's right. You love You love working for me for free. Say it! Say it! <laughs> Bring me the axe, Tina! Body Milligan. Body 
Bonnie Milligan. Bonnie Milligan is our guest today, and I'm so freaking excited. What a star. Did you guys see her in Head Over Heels? I did. I saw oh videos. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, my gosh, Elizabeth. It was one of the best performances I've ever seen. I've heard, yeah. Unfortunately, 1, I don't live thousand here thousand percent. So. Yet. You don't live here yet, but you I... always have a place to stay. Oh, thank you. But anyway, we go deep today, and um, I love this episode. I love her. Um, I I just feel empowered, and I hope you will too. So here it is, Bonnie Milligan on Josh Swallow's Broadway Gulp. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Josh Swallow's, Josh Swallow's, Josh Swallow's. Everybody, welcome back to Josh Swallow's Broadway. Today's guest is the incredible, one-of-a-kind Broadway star, Broadway beltress, TV star, phenomenon, angel from heaven, Bonnie Milligan. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for that intro. Oh, you're, wow. you're so welcome. How's it going? It's going good. I mean, I can't complain. It's a beautiful day here in New York. It's like what, like 67 degrees? It's, yeah, it's a Saturday. And I'm out here with you. Come Isn't on. Isn't that nice? Yes. And I mean, in all the craziness of this year. Yeah. In all the craziness, uh, the pandemic and everything shutting down, and now the news of Scott Rudin leaving the, the Broadway, Broadway League. League. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Did you go to the, to the march? No, I couldn't go. I couldn't go either. Um, you know, I'm just too lazy. I don't like marching. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, that's incredible, all yeah. the stuff that's happening right now in our industry. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about you. When did you start singing? Oh, I've always sung. I grew up in a very musical family. So uh, <laughs> the easiest way to say, my dad my parents met when my dad was the new lead singer of the Southern gospel group. My mom was the pianist for. What? <laughs> Correct. So, uh, they, that's how they got together. And then, um, we were kind of like a little singing family act. Like my dad was a preacher and then they sang. And so as soon as I could talk, I was singing and doing like little songs at church. Um, and so I, yeah, I grew up in a very musical family and, um, yeah, I always say like music was one of my first languages. Oh, I love it. I, I just, I'm picturing little baby Bonnie being like, and come on up and sing for Jesus. <laughs> Essentially. Essentially. That's incredible. Yeah. And you, you said that you grew up in Illinois. Yes. In central Illinois. Decatur. Oh, Decatur, Illinois. Yeah. Um, when, so was there a moment when you were like, I want to get out of this church, daddy. I want to get out of this church, mama. I want to get on stage. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I got to get out of this Decatur. <laughs> Basically. Um, you know, I like to go to the stage. Yes. I think well, I've discovered acting like when I was 10 years old, when I got the lead in the school play. And what was the play? 
It was some made up thing for kids. I don't know what it was called, but I know that I was George Ann, the elf that saved Christmas. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and the whole thing, I came from a very, very small town, like um, technically where our address was, it said Decatur, but it was like the school district of this local township called Harristown that was so small that they had to consolidate with another school. And still there was about 30 kids in a grade. Yeah. So (laughs) the entire uh, elementary school, I can do math 30 times there's six grades, right? 180. Oh, wow. Kids in the entire elementary from kindergarten to five. And, uh, and so the whole thing was the, K through four would sing all the songs in the show. They picked a musical and it was all in the gymnasium, of course. So the the chorus of kids were in the bleachers and then they put chairs on the court for the parents. (laughs) And then there was like a stage there. And um, so you're growing up in the bleachers, singing all the songs, watching the fifth graders act the show. So you're like, oh gosh, what will it be when it's my turn? (laughs) And I got to be like, there were two elves and I was like one of the two lead elves. And I was like, oh, this is it. (laughs) And then I became obsessed with being an actress. And I have like diary entries that are so crazy. I was like, my life is so pathetic here in central Illinois. I need to be, I need to be somewhere else. I need to be in movies. I need to be in LA. I can't do anything in Illinois. Ugh, like it's so dramatic. Can we please have a show? I want your next cabaret to just be dramatic readings from your childhood journals. Yeah, there's literally an entry. I just remember because it's so ridiculous. I think I was 11 and I wrote, My life is so pathetically dry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, I, I had, I have a journal, like a diary or whatever from when I was a kid. And I, somebody, I guess, said the word trite and I clearly had no idea what it meant, but I was just using like trite, like throughout the entire entry, just like life here is trite. My parent, oh, they, they, it's like so trite and uh, yeah, yeah. Channeling that anger, but you were an elf. That's, that's. That's phenomenal. George Ann. Like, what? <laughs> that's such a, like, that. It's such a choice. That's the last, if I was an elf, that's the last thing I would name my baby. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I would yeah. name, you're supposed to be named Sprinkles like or something. Like mistletoe. Cinnamon. Yeah, like, yeah. what's happening? Like, non-sexy George stripper Ann. names are elf names. You know what? I feel like that is a follow-up show you and I should write about George Ann's parents and why they chose that name <laughs> and how they went against elf culture. Yeah. What was wrong? Fuck elf culture. They were like fighting something inside. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we took a march on, on elf land. <laughs> elf land fought back. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. Uh, George Ann the elf. And uh, were your parents totally supportive of you wanting to be an actor? They were actually, I think my dad always had wanted to be a singer, I think in it, um, before he, he didn't like grow up religious before he, you know, uh, did he, I think was wanting to be, I don't know. I think he just always wanted to be a singer. He went to music school at one point. Um, and then when it turned into like his calling to be a 
a preacher and all that other stuff, he joined, like he was always singing and like, he did a lot of like male quartets of all these kind of like Southern gospel tight harmony, kind of, I don't know, for Bill Gaither vocal band, stuff like that um, was very much what he was always doing. So they would tour a lot and do different concerts here and there slash if he had a church, he was leading, then him and my mom would go places. And that was kind of like a ministry, the Milligans, and they would do that. So it was like, um, I think they, they knew the performance and the blood was there and they were always, um, very supportive and (laughs) we were already poor. So it's not like, well, (laughs) it's like, sure. Just keep being poor. Oh, Just keep being poor, baby. Even though I was like, funnily enough, I was this straight A student who, when I was little, little, I was like, I'm going to be a vet because I loved animals. And then I realized you had to like deal with them being sick or dying. And I was like, that feels hard. Um, and I wanted, and at one point I was like, I can, you know, be all these things that would have been good money gigs. And I had really good grades. And then I was like, no, screw <laughs> brains of a passion and unstable life. That's hilarious. I mean, I had terrible grades, but I too wanted to be a vet until I realized that like the job is actually really sad and hard. Right. And I was like, well, maybe I just want to pet animals and get paid a lot of money to do that. Um, Broadway barks. Broadway barks. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever done Broadway barks? I've attended it. I've never been asked to be part of it. No, I love it though. You should and you will. And Bernadette will be like, now welcome to the stage, Bonnie Milligan and her beautiful dog, Chelsea. Um, I did it once a long time ago. And the highlight of my life was Bernadette Peters going, and now from the cast of hair, Josh Lemony. And I was like, yes, Josh Lamoni for Lamoni. Lamoni. Um, now, when did you move to New York? I moved uh, after uh, college. I, can't, I did college at. So when I was 16, I got. Uh, my mom got remarried and we moved to Northwest Ohio. So I finished high school in Ohio. And then I went to the Ohio State University. Wow. Was that hard moving to Ohio in high school? Yeah, it was right before my junior year. And so it was super difficult. And again, like I said, I come from this super small school. By the time you graduate, there's maybe 25 kids graduating in the class because people move in and out. So it's like this super tight knit group. And I come from a a big family. My mom's the eldest of six. And so I have, there's like 21 grandkids. And so everybody, like you come from being around your grandparents who I was super close with and um, aunts and uncles and cousins, and you see each other all the time to moving two States away. And my brother's five years older. So he wasn't moving to Ohio. He was 18. No, well, at that point he wasn't, but uh, he was, you know, in college, he was in Illinois and having his life there. So we just, my mom and I moved with my new stepdad and his daughter. And that was, um, so now it was like a brand new dynamic. And then we moved to a new house and a different state. <laughs> and it was like, 
Uh, it was really hard. It was really hard. Um, but then that prepared me for college. By the time college came, I was like, okay. And all these kids are like, <laughs> and I'm like, I've already done this. Sure. So, um, so yeah. And then that took me to Ohio state, which I kind of begrudgingly went to, but they gave me, um, a lot of money to go. They didn't like give me money, but I didn't have to pay much to go. Nice. And, um, and it, it was this amazing, I mean, it wasn't a musical theater program. It was acting and a lot of focus on new work. So I kind of developed as like a writer as well. And I have, I met some of the best friends ever that have all since kind of, uh, many of them have moved to New York as well. And so I, I still have this like base of like my family from then. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't know that you were a writer as well. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny because, you know, your inner saboteur, what you allow yourself to identify as and what you're like, no, you're an imposter on that. And I once upon a time was very active in the writing and I was in the honors program and I wrote for my thesis rather than like a giant research paper, boring. Um, if you're in the acting, you could write a show. And I was like, well, sign me up. So <laughs> I, and then I was like, oh, one woman shows are so hard because it's just hard to get it right. And sometimes it could feel like a therapy session, if, especially if you're 21. Um, and so I wrote, I wrote a show for four people and it was basically stand-up comedy meets sketch comedy meets musical. And I had uh, who I called Piano Man. <clears throat> they were two fat actresses, myself and another woman. And we, our names were A and B. And then there was a character, Skinny Pretty, and a character, Hot Man. And that was the show. And so it just kind of explored being told your work when you're 40, when you're 21. Right. And being, and it was called A Girl's Gotta Eat, the musical. And just being <laughs> like, what do I do? Like, I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a big girl and I'm 21 and I would like to do things that nobody lets me do. So that was kind of the show. Um, and it explored lots of different things. And it was just, you know, my feelings over the years, I had been a part of the writing company there and, um, and it went really successfully. It was a 45 minute show that then somebody commissioned me to write a second act and the gay club downtown had just opened a new theater. So they're like, can you be our very first show? And I, was like, I love that there's a gay club downtown that opens a theater. Yeah. Club diversity. And, <laughs> and so they opened a theater upstairs. It was like set, like basically it was this bar club in a house that somebody had bought and turned into. And so it was like upstairs turned it into a performance space. And so then it became a, two act musical. And, uh, and then we got asked to tour different areas in Ohio and some at schools where then we would do panel panels on body image and, uh, have different people there to discuss that. Like it was really great and awesome. And I was really proud of it. And I'd done it a lot for kind of a year. So then by the time I came to New York, I was like, I just kind of want to be away from that for a minute. I want to get my bearings and, and I kept thinking I need to update the show because it was very much a college girl, you know, dealing with all this. And then you get away from it and then your brain is like, well, that was really successful. And are you really going to be able to 
do something else again. Like you can't do that. And then it's like, you haven't been doing that for a while. Are you like for a while? I even said like back when I used to have a website, which I just didn't keep up. So I stopped doing, um, it said like singer, actress, writer. And then for a while, I remember being like, I feel like I have to take that off, like that kind of stuff. Um, but then I got, I got back to writing with a friend of mine, uh, who is a composer and we were just trying to write some songs together. And then, uh, oh gosh, 2017, I wrote a very silly, ridiculous show with my friend, Tim Drucker for like 54 below. We were like, what if we wrote our own Hallmark Christmas movie idea, but turned it into a musical with the music of Gwen Stefani (laughs) because her most recent album at the time was very much, I think, focused on Blake Shelton. And it was songs that were really catchy. But if you listen to the lyrics, sound crazy. Like, (laughs) why do you have to go and make me like you? And like, it could be like cute or like crazy. So we turned it into like a murder mystery (laughs) called a Christmas murder. And it, you know, took the 1130 slot and it was so fun. And we just wrote this ridiculous show based on all the Hallmark um, tropes with also like the lifetime you know, like murder movies, we put them into one with musical. And uh, anyway, Tim and I have started writing another Christmas show together. So we've been doing that via like FaceTime. So I am back to trying to get to writing again. That's fucking phenomenal. I cannot wait for this Christmas show to happen. Yes. Um, And also something you were saying about your inner saboteur, that really struck a chord with me because I think, I mean, I definitely suffer from that. Even like I had my first voice lesson in about uh, 40 years, like last week. Yeah. And it was the whole like, I haven't been singing in a year. I can't sing anymore. I I used to be able to sing in A, but now I can't sing in E. You know, all this yeah. stuff that's not true, but also, you know, thinking back to the before times, you know, <laughs> with, with, you know, my career, you know, being like, well, I'll, I'll never be good in that. Or, you know, just uh, conquering my inner like demons is, has been a hard journey. How do you, how do you tackle it? Oh gosh. Um, trying to, like, I just try to, sort of talk myself down from it this year, I think has been so hard in so many ways for everybody in such a psychological way beyond, you know, like it's trauma, like what we kind of collectively dealt with, this will be in history books, you know, like we lived through something really historical and very intense. And we watched our entire livelihood get shut down um, meanwhile, people are dying. There's fear of that. Um, there's a lot to tackle and, um, deal with. I, I went home, I was home for, uh, quite a while in Ohio. My dad died at the beginning of all of this. And so I was there and <clears throat> I didn't expect to stay. I had a backpack with me. I had plans for that week and, <clears throat> At the end of the month as well, I was set to do a show. 
um, of my own at 54 below. And it, everything of course, like is shutting down. You're like, well, I I think I'm just going to stay here. I'm not going to get on the plane back in case they shut down flights. Uh, cause my dad hadn't died yet, but it was, you know, not looking good. And so I didn't try to leave. Like it, it was a weird thing to not make the conscious choice to leave my apartment, to pack thing. You know, even if you're like, well, I'm going to go stay with my mom for a while. Cause I can let me pack. I didn't do that. So I remember at one point I kind of had a breakdown and my mom was like, I don't know how to help you. And I was like, I'm just dealing with a lot of different kinds of trauma beyond dad. And that's something, but also I'm terrified. I'm scared for my friend. I'm watching, you know, they watch the nightly news with David Muir and it's like, it's, it's good in a lot of ways, but it's also scary the way they kind of like talked about the numbers and the things happening in New York. And that's still my home and being far away and feeling far away and feeling like everything's kind of falling out from under you. It's very hard to logically be like, it's okay that I can't sing an A right now. You know, it's okay that this is normal because your brain can't compute with what's normal. And so you, it's that saboteur, like coming up being like, well, this isn't, you're, you're an idiot for focusing on this for your career. You should have focused on, um, family or, you know, I'm watching my siblings with all their kids and I'm like, well, I don't know that I want kids, but do I want kids? And then it just becomes like an existential crisis uh, of like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do for money? How am I going to survive? Um, so I just had to like do a lot of deep breathing and try to remind myself like to talk myself down from a panic attack, to tell you the truth. I had a lot of those. Um, and sometimes I have to cry it out. (laughs) And then what kind of honestly helps me when I'm like forgetting who I am and my worth, I have a couple of very, very good friends and I'm just very real with them. And I say, I'm kind of spiraling right now. And this is how I'm feeling and freaking out. And they can kind of ground me again and say, no judgment. I want you to remember that you're this and this and this, and this is what I see in you. And this is what's happening. you like that. It can make me feel sane. Yeah. You're like, okay, it's normal that I'm feeling this way. And so that I was tacking, tackling a lot of that inner saboteur this past year. And that's how I dealt with it. How do you, I mean, all of that is incredible. And um, also I'm so very deeply sorry about your father. Um, I, I remember seeing when that was happening and all of my love to you. Um, you know, I, I deal with very heavy depression and anxiety outside of the world imploding and all this terrible shit. Um, but I also have really good friends that I am very open with. I'm, I'm very open with pretty much everyone. Like, even, you know, in the before times, before the times <laughs> of love and cholera, yes. uh, you know, at work, I, I've i always been open and been like, hey, I deal with depression. Right now, I'm in a depression episode. Yeah. I'm fine. I will be fine. But if it seems like I'm just like in my own thing, it's not personal. Yeah. Or, you know, like I'll... <clears throat> Even Alan, like, I've gone to Alan and just said, like, hey, 
this is where I'm at. And I know that it's not necessarily real, but this is where I'm at and I need to tell you. Yes. I've, I think honestly, that's been the best for me too. It's just being completely open about things. And rather than try, I've spent so many years trying to be the perfect person, you know, of like helpful and kind and, um, trying to fix things and trying to do everything and be happy and peppy and make people laugh and do everything I can just depleting myself constantly and never feeling like it was okay to be human and to say, I'm fully depleted and I have nothing to give, but I'm still giving and pretending I'm okay. That I think that comes with your thirties too, of being like, you know what? I'm not well right now. And you're, I, I found just blunt honesty to be so helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> this past year because I'm someone who's also very much dealt with depression and anxiety. Um, and I've spent a lot of time trying to cover it up just so, cause I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Right. Like, life's too short. Just be open and honest. And you know, it's so much better when you do that and you find such kind open hearts and like so many things that and it's okay if people can handle that. I'm not mad, but like I find so many, I've had so many beautiful interactions because of just honesty. Me too. Though I have had, I did work with somebody that I wanted to slap with a folding chair. Um, uh, no. They were like, well, why don't you just try to be happier? And I was like, oh, why didn't I just try to be happier? Oh, I was like, I'm God. going to kill your pets. I'm going to kill <laughs> your pets. And I oh, love God. animals, but for that, I'm going to kill your pets. Um, yeah, but also, you know, it's easy for for me at least to get down on my on myself, like my body image. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like I have to fake feeling body positive. Yes. Or I'm super body positive about other people. Mm, yeah. But then, like, my inner demon saboteur is, like, in my head being like, yeah, they look good. But you're disgusting. You're a monster. You know, and who yeah. could ever learn to love a beast? Um, <laughs> no pain could be deeper. Yes. That'd be a great beast. Oh, my God. With you as my bell? Please, thanks. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. Done. Done. We're hired. Okay. We're t- we're moving into the Music Man Theater. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're you welcome. Broadway welcome. fight back. Um, yeah, I, I, I love you so much because I think you inspire so many people, um, to feel good about themselves and to embrace themselves. And you're working head over heels, like Princess Pamela. Yes. I just want to be her. Right. Uh, same, same. How did Pamela come into, oh wait, what were you going to say? No, you finish. How, how did Pamela come into your life? I, uh, got to be a part of the very beginning of her journey. Um, Jeff Whitty, who originally, um, wrote it came, he had come to two shows I had done off, off Broadway at the flea theater And he knew the director and from that was inspired to write Pamela with me in mind. And I was like, non-equity, no agent, just a full-blown nobody. 
And so we did the first reading in 2014. And, uh, and then I got the kinky boots tour and I knew they were talking about it going to the Oregon Shakespeare festival, but I didn't have an offer and I, you know, I wasn't a name or anything. And, uh, the Shakespeare festival works in a different way because it's a rep company. So you mm-hmm. go out there for like six months and you do multiple shows, you do a whole thing. And, um, so I went on the road with kinky boots and then I had to like submit an audition tape and do like Shakespeare and do all the things. So then, um, I went to Oregon from the tour and I was out there and, uh, we did it for like, yeah, I was out there for like six and a half months. Wow. Um, and then, uh, came back and went right into an off-Broadway show here called Gigantic. And then, um, got a call in February that they were going to retool everything. And, uh, basically it was a brand new creative team and a brand new cast, but me, which is an intense call to get. Yeah. Um, and then you deal with, you know, I feel like the saboteur comes in in a way of being like guilt about Mm -hmm. your, you know, and then, uh, we went up to New York stage and film in 2016 with, uh, Michael Mayer at the helm and uh, the go like three of the four, five go go's came out for a little bit. Wow. Yeah, we had Gina and Jane and Charlotte, and they came out um, and were because they weren't a part of the process before. They came to the opening night in Oregon, but they hadn't been like a part of it all. Uh, and that was and that was it. And then we did a lab in seventeen, and then we got the go that we were going to. Um, do San Francisco and Broadway the following year. So then we started that up in 18. That's nuts. What was that? Because that was your Broadway debut? Yeah. What a freaking incredible thing. What Were you able to have that moment when you were like told that you were going to Broadway, being like, I'm going to Broadway? Or was it more just like, oh, yeah, well, this is going to Broadway and it'll happen when it happens? It felt like, honestly, it was quite like a rocky road to get there that I feel like I was always waiting for the rug to be pulled out from under me. So a part of me was like, it's happening. The other part's like, something's going to happen. It's not going to happen. So it was interesting. I was doing a reading uh, at the time when my agent called and I was like, I come back from break and she's telling me it's official. We have the contract. Um, Here's the offer. You know, it's happening. And I was doing a reading and uh, Sutton Foster was in the reading and she was in the other room singing. And I was out in the hall and I'm hearing her singing and who's somebody I, you know, grew up loving. I was obsessed with early modern Millie. And I'm just like, this is kind of crazy. And she was in that room with Janine Tesori, who also, you know, wrote Thoroughly modern Millie. So I'm like, this is weird that I'm sitting outside a room with those two in there and I'm here I'm getting this call, but you're still fearful to celebrate it. And so I remember taking a photo of myself. It was like, I was in such a really weird headspace. And I think Molly Hager was in the reading with me and she came back and cause we were up next, you know, on the rehearsal docket. She's like, what? And I look at her and I was like, um, I just got my first Broadway. She's like, oh my God. 
And I was like, I know. She's like, what's happening? I was like, it's very complicated. I feel, I don't know. I'm scared. So that was kind of the initial reaction. And it wasn't until January, that was like October of 17. And then January, they announced the show and they, what, how they did it was the Go-Go's played a show <laughs> down at, oh, dang it. Uh, it was uh, like down off of um, Houston, but I can't remember the space, not Rockwell. One of the, one of the I'm big not stages cool. down I there. I exactly. Scene. I'm not cool. I don't know the music scene. It was a great stage down there. And they play this surprise kind of concert. And then they announced it at this like, like invite only kind of like, you know, smaller go-go's concert affair. And they had, they invited cast before we were like meeting each other down. So I'm like meeting Jeremy Kushner. Who's like, I'm playing your dad. Yeah, Cause he hadn't done the previous lab. Rachel York had done the lab. So she's coming over like, ha, like, I'm like, this is so crazy. So you're kind of meeting people. You're like, what is happening? And then we go upstairs and, um, they, they have the concert and the surprise was they announced it on stage and we got to come out and kind of dance around and sing like with them on like the last song. And we came out and I had uh, brought one of my best friends, Eric, as my plus one. And he was there. And so he was like watching everything. And I came down and it's like this crowded room. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And he was like, I feel, I don't remember if it was him or me that first was like, I feel like this is actually happening now. And we both burst into tears. Oh. And that was the moment, like I let myself feel the excitement yeah. of it. And I was like, oh, it, it is happening. Cause I just kept being like, it's not gonna, there were so many push and pulls with it coming to Broadway. And I was like, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. And I was like, oh my God, it's happening. And we both just lost it. Cause we've known each other since we were kids and we're just bawling. Oh. Um, so that was kind of my journey of, my journey of allowing myself to feel joy about it and not That's... letting go of guilt, letting go of fear and just saying, let's just be present for this. And whatever happens, Bonnie, it's going to happen. But like, just let yourself feel this. Cause I, mm -hmm. for the longest time, wouldn't let myself feel it. It's scary to celebrate anything in this industry. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. because we are so traumatized from yeah. the industry yeah, and from disappointment you know, um, there's, uh, like, I remember when I got my, the same day that I got the, the offer for my Broadway debut, uh, in hair, there was like a Michael Riedel article or something called haircut all about how like the show didn't have the money to come. And I was like, uh, I, I've been in New York for like 10 years and if, if it's not this show, I'm going to quit. Like, I can't yeah. do this anymore. Let yeah. me be happy. Um, but I think that's really powerful and something that we should all practice to practice allowing ourselves joy. Yeah. In the moment. Um, Head Over Heels, I think, uh, changed a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Um, and the show was just incredible. What was the experience like? Really? Oh, gosh. 
beautiful and also uh, complicated because coming out and to um, small houses was hard. And we had an unbelievable producer, Louise Gund, who kept us open. And there were a lot of people, you you find out so much snarkiness. Mm -hmm. You get disillusioned real quick. You think Broadway is this magical, beautiful place and everyone's so supportive and loving. And then you get into a thing and all of a sudden you're like, oh God, you know, even like friends of yours that are like, wow, I thought I was going to hate this, but, and I was like, why do you have to don't, why do you have to talk like that to me? I'm your friend. And why did you think you were going to hate it? And do you not think I'm going to spiral about that now about like, even my own friends don't want to come to the show. Like, so it, it was just, it was a lot of things of, you know, it's been speculated in many ways. If it was ahead of its time, a little bit too much, um, or on top of with our marketing, like who knows, people didn't know to come, but those that did loved it and saw themselves. And so you feel the power of what you're doing and the people I met at the stage door and, uh, the letters, you know, that I received and so many people who had never seen themselves celebrated everything from plus size men and women telling me I was holding my breath for the longest time, waiting for the fat joke to come. Mm-hmm. And it never came. And everybody on stage said you were the prettiest one and everyone agreed and no one made fun of it or no one qualified it or no one said, because in this world, it just was. And I didn't know that that would like break my whole world open and also kind of break my heart at the same time, because why haven't I ever felt like I would be worthy enough to be called beautiful and to like, and I'm seeing you be the prettiest girl up there. And it's just fact and no one's saying anything about it. Um, to, you know, beautiful non-binary souls who had a character about them for the first time. And, um, and, you know, all the different, like even Musidorus finding out his own gender fluidity and, you know, the different beautiful spectrum of sexuality and everything was celebrated and we didn't like have trauma surrounding it. And so that was a big feedback, that thing that we got that was just like, wow, it was just joy. And so you feel that and you feel like you're doing something important in that way and um, giving representation in ways nobody's seen and feeling to be a part of that is really, sorry, really beautiful. And then you're also like feeling how fleeting is this? And so you're always I felt like it was never like really fully aware of like, just again, be in the joy, but have that fear of when will this all be taken away? Cause you see the houses and you hear about the numbers. And again, you hear the snarky, snarky people. And, um, and it's difficult to be like, well, can't we just have like, like a beautiful, fun show? Like, does it have to be perfect? What perfect show are you referencing? I know we're not perfect, but we have a lot of heart and a lot of celebration and joy and can't you just come supported and so it was um it was a lot of that but overwhelmingly it was just beauty yeah and the days where you talked about struggling with you know your own body image and self-worth like you know I'd ride the subway and I would have a kid I remember the day this kid I was going to an audition you know 
And this kid is pointing at me, whispering to his friend and they're laughing at me. And I hear a fat thing. And I'm like, I'm being ridiculed by children on the subway and I'm letting it feel like I'm a kid in school now. And I want to burst into tears and who cares, but I do, it hurts. And you go to this audition, you come back and then you have to go do a show tonight where you step on stage and sing a song about how beautiful you are and believe every second of it. And so it was healing as well to be able to let that crap go at the door and be like, you know what? No, you're hot. Let's go. Like, yeah. and you have to talk yourself into that, which was helpful because, you know, I still walk through the world as a fat woman who not everyone finds beautiful. And, uh, and so I have to deal with that reality. And then I get to go to this magical world where I'm the same person who's called beautiful. And, so I feel like I learned a lot of lessons in that, um, and finding healing in that and allowing myself to do that and not like, I don't know where you just, we just don't allow ourselves grace. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. It's complicated. Um, you know, and there it's so weird when you walk out on stage and you do see the small houses and i i have a rule like you cannot go backstage unless you give good backstage hmm. i want a friend not yeah. a theater critic yeah and like if you're there to see the show for me then you're there to support the show for me i don't care what your take is like you're there to be supportive or you can fuck off. <laughs> and like, that's just at the point. Th that's just where I'm at now yeah. in life. It's like, I've seen some things that have been terrible, but yeah. I'm not there. I'm there to support friends. And yeah. so in that moment, it's going to be the night of my life and I'm going to be genuinely thrilled and proud to be there. I don't know. I think some people are stupid, but yeah. Also, it's just easy to find something to talk about. That's good. You know what I mean? And it's not like nobody came back and was like, this is trash, but to say, I thought I was going to hate this, but I yeah. love it. Don't, don't, don't bring me the first part. Just say, I love this. I didn't even know what this was. Oh my gosh. That's a way to say it. Yeah. And then, cause now do you not think I'm going to be like, well, why? And I did say it sometimes, like, why did you think you were going to hate it? Yeah. Also, it's my Broadway debut, friend. Can we rein it in? Yeah. And where's my flowers and edible arrangement, dickhead? Thank you. Yeah. Where's my edible arrangement, you sons of bitch? Um, well, the I had a friend even like Marco Polo me a story. They were in line and they heard someone, <clears throat> excuse me, they were in line and they heard someone behind them trash talking my show. And then they kind of la make like laugh or something like, cause this person loved my show. And I marked them back and I said, well, did you say anything to them? Like, what are you, why are you telling me this story? Yeah. And they were like, and this was around Thanksgiving. I remember it. Cause I was spending Thanksgiving with Rachel York. I remember she'd gone to the bathroom and I watched You were it spending like, Thanksgiving with Rachel York. Okay. That's the title of your biography. Go on. 
<laughs> yes. Um, her family was out of town. I was alone. I was like, let's just spend it together. So I, we were doing face masks and ha- yeah, it was great. Um, and she went to the bathroom and I'm like, uh, I don't know how to respond to this. So I just was very open. And I said, well, I, did you say something? You're like, Oh no, no, no I don't. And I was like, okay, well then I guess I, I guess that really hurts my heart to hear that, um, people are saying that and, um, they don't know. And I, and I guess if you wanted to tell me about it, I wish you had said something to them or, um, and if that hurts to hear, that's hard. And they're like, Oh shoot, I'm so sorry. I'm like, where did you think this was going to go? Like, it was that kind of stuff where just people not thinking that <laughs> made things hard that you're like, do you not know that I go out there and what was amazing about our cast truly no matter how small the house, everybody really gave it like 110%. So every show, and what was really beautiful about that is because we knew there was someone in the audience who needed that show. And we felt it at this, we felt it. And so even if it was the smallest house, they were with us and it was just a beautiful message we're giving. So like, it is our duty to give the same show that we would well, there's only so much full house going to, you're clearly going to feed off of them. It's going to be slightly different, but from your perspective, you're, you have to give all you can, because these people are paying the same amount and it's not their fault. They're in a small house and they came. So give them a show. And our cast really did do that. Um, and so it was always like a pleasure to do the show. You know what I mean? Like it, it was always like, we get to do this again. We get to do this again. And so, and by the end, after we got our closing notice, so many diehard fans, cause we had people see it so many times. Somebody saw it like 40, you know, Get it. we played six and a half months. It's amazing. And so we had, the house was packed for our last like month of shows and they were so loud and loving. And it was just so beautiful. Our final show. Oh my gosh. Michael Mayer came backstage after and was like, I have never, I have never experienced anything like this, you know? And he was on Hedvig. He was on, um, American idiot spring awakening. And it was like all these big cult, but our fans were so the ovations after every number, uh, the standing ovations. I got entrance applause. Like yeah, on my first scene, I was like, oh, you dream of that. Like, I was like, it was so exciting. And I, I like, you know, I'm holding the pose after beautiful and they're standing and they're screaming and it's going on for so long. And I just have tears streaming down my face and oh I'm just in a, po- and I'm just like, you desperately want to be in the moment and feeling it. But also you're like, I can't go full in the moment. Cause I will fall into a puddle right here. So you're like, you're Pamela, you're not Bonnie, but Bonnie, take this in. And you're like, okay, wait back to Pamela. Wait, you have to be here. Like, so it was kind of that um, battle, which was also me during preview and me during opening night was trying to soak it in because it's your first Broadway show. Yeah. Remember this feeling. Remember this feeling. Wait, be present. Yeah. God, that's beautiful. Oh, the show is so good. And that ensemble, that sexy ensemble. Oh my gosh, the hot So incredible. I remember I I remember there was there was one with um sort of like a a bowl cut wig 
that I remember being like, you are just serving Greg. and living your life, Greg. Greg. I, yeah. And I looked I looked them up in, in the playbill to be like, this is their Broadway debut. Yeah, we had a Work. lot of Broadway debuts. Work. Um, it was so thrilling. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I just love it. And I love you. And I love everything about you and what you represent. And, I love you. Um, Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. This was such like a beautiful conversation. <laughs> oh, God, you're heaven. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and have a fan call. Yeah. And so stand by, okay? Okay. Oh. oh. Okay. Welcome back, you little batches. Um, so now it is the fan call of the week. That's right. That's right. We're taking questions from you. And if you want to be on the show, you can. Just email us at josh at joshswallows.com. Alan, tell us about our special guest today. So our guest today, they are named Brett. And as of a week now, they have been going by gender neutral pronouns. And the question has to do with transitioning from a she, her to a they, them just out in society. So let's bring in Brett right now. Joining, joining. Brett! Hey! Hey, oh my god! Hi, I didn't expect Bonnie Milligan. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Brett! Hey, how are y'all? I'm good. You look fabulous. I love this moment around your eyes. You look fabulous. They have a gorgeous, like, makeup moment. Yes. Listeners at home, Brett is looking ferociously ferocious right now. (laughs) Um, Congratulations to you, Brett. Thank you. Um, yeah, I gave them the setup, Brett, that you are transitioning from the she, her to the they, them. Okay. and, uh, And so what is your question? So um, I'm an actor and have been one for quite a long time. And my resume and my name used to be something totally different. And I kind of wanted to get your input on how I could, one, go about uh, not getting uh, misgendered because I appear so femme, a little less femme currently, but generally I'm very femme. And two, how like practically to reflect that on my resume because I could be like Anne Frank I played Margot Frank uh and then in parentheses as dead name uh, so I I totally hear what you're saying um for me I think I think just put on your resume I think everybody should be putting their pronouns on their resume I think that it is quite acceptable because unfortunately there will be moments where people will misgender and I think it's quite okay to correct them in the room and let them know. Um, But, you know, also you are a artist, so you can play all these roles and it doesn't matter if it's Anne Frank or Abe Lincoln, you're an artist playing them. So I'd say just 
embrace this truth of yours, and this is your name, you have your pronouns, and put them on your resume, and live your life ferociously. That's what I think. Bonnie, what about you? Yeah. Also, right before the shutdown, when we were still going into rooms to audition, um, they a lot of different casting agencies started adding uh, a pronoun column. So oh. it, it's becoming a lot more, um, thankfully, like at the forefront of conversations. Um, so it is not an absurd thing to definitely like state, these are my pronouns, no need at all to list a dead name. I don't, I think that could get into trauma for you and just, you leave that. That is, that's no dead name in the past. We don't have to deal with that. That's still your resume. You still did the work. And so, yeah, I think Josh is right. Listing on your resume. And then because so much is virtual right now, um, just making sure you're emailing whoever's you know, if you're getting the appointment, the casting director or your agent or whoever's in charge of that and just reiterating, you know, um, oh, great. I'm thankful for this appointment. And just as a reminder to the room, like my pronouns are they, then, you know, and it, like Josh said, if people misgender you to just correct them, that is your right. And they should respect you as a human being for that. And I do think um, the industry is hopefully learning and growing and will respect you and um, to you for who you are. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, also so many people, um, that I know, um, uh, one of my best friends, uh, he's in his, uh, they're in, they're in their fifties just came out to me, um, last week as being non-binary and, and being like, it's crazy because I, I never knew that this was possible until now and so they're struggling with so what do i make of this so you're not alone there's a whole world and community out there that is right. learning and growing every day okay well and mm -hmm. um i got my windows open you know okay for, so for my money, now like, we uh we're still recording but i'm gonna turn off my camera and my video and then and, uh, um, josh take it off as really can't uh, wait to do the episode you do your thing and i think lizzie's gonna join <laughs> it might be a while before uh bonnie um, you never know where are you from brett 30 i'm from north carolina so i'll have her join with her camera currently living in north carolina but moving to chicago our intro josh all right, you know what to do. Love We've Chicago. done this like a bajillion didn't You times. didn't have a over heels Bajana happen times. in Chicago? No, we did Here San we Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. But I'm originally from central Illinois, so I grew up like, go Cubs, go Bears, <laughs> yeah. etc. Chicago's oh, an yeah. incredible town, and the yeah. art, and like the stuff that happens there, the theater, the, the film, TV... You are going to kill it there. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really, really glad to have you on the show. Are you just, are you finishing school now and going to Chicago? Um, I am kind of, I'm out of school. Way out Good of school. Good for you. Uh, thank God. I came back to North Carolina to wait out the pandemic in a like safe place that I knew and now that I'm vaccinated and uh, have kind of a comfort zone, I'm like, now's the time. Yeah! 
Yes. That's amazing. Well, you know what? I'm glad that you got through the pandemic. I also, like, I went back to San Diego where I grew up for a while, and it was cute for a minute, but then I was like, I love my parents, but I'm going to kill them. I'm going <laughs> to drown them in a bathtub. Um, wow, 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 wow. That was a lot. <laughs> Whoa, wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, go out there and soar. And will you, like, let us know how it's going out there when you get there? Keep us posted. 100%. Yay. Fuck yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, Brett. Thank you so much for having me. So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Oh, I'm so grateful that Brett came on the show, that you came on the show. They were amazing. They're amazing. You're amazing. And one thing that I think. I would like to remind everybody today that that I'm really taking away from this conversation. The best advice I ever got was from a flight attendant, and that is for us to put our oxygen mask on first. Mm-hmm. So I want everybody that's listening to just take a deep breath, know that you're fucking nailing it, and put on your oxygen mask first, and that way you can help other people. Yes. Um, Bonnie, you inspire me. You're everything, and I cannot wait to give you the biggest hug when this shit is over. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. You're my hero. I love you. I love you, too. And I'll see you when we start rehearsals. Yes! Beauty and the Beast. Um, and listeners, thank yes. you so much for tuning in for Josh Swallow's Broadway. Um, join our Patreon if you want at patreon.com slash Josh Swallow's Broadway. You can support the show and help the show keep on going. And you Get can join it. our Zoom parties. And of course, if you don't want to, that's okay. The show's for free. <laughs> um, all right. I love you. I love, I love you, Bonnie. You. And uh, have a great day, everybody. Bye. Josh Swallows Broadway is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and myself, Josh Lehman, with associate producer Elizabeth Wheelis. And special thanks to our Patreon producers, David Rimmer and Josh Harris. You can join them. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Josh Swallows Broadway. Leave a rating. Leave a review. I read them. This is how I continue living. Help me live. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for keeping Broadway alive and swallow you soon. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.